Thank you, Anna and Pastor Jessica, for our message today for the children. We're going to carry on now thinking about the message about God's unfailing grace in the world. I'm Pastor Wynn Stemfenogel, serving here as well at Bethany. And I want to first mention that there are four books in the Bible that are especially important for us in the Christian faith, those of us who claim Jesus as our Lord and Savior. And if you've already had your coffee this morning, or if you're a morning person, then you maybe have guessed that those four books are the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Those are books in the New Testament that without them, we would not have the understanding. I'm not sure that we really fully have the understanding, but we have this revelation. We have this divine telling that helps us to understand many of the words of the prophets of the Old Testament we're pointing to, and we also have this foundation, this grounding for us to receive the epistles, those letters in the New Testament, and to understand our lives today as followers of Christ that we call Christianity. If you're a Christian and you have a favorite verse or passage from the Bible, we have to understand that special word for us through the filter of Jesus Christ. Anything that we know from the Bible, we have to know through the birth life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. God who was in the beginning with, with, a, with creation, that God then who poured himself out into the world as a man in his full limitations, who did everything in the world out of his love for the well-being and the well-doing of humanity. God who gave up the life he lived in this world as Jesus so that our lives would be saved and we would be raised up with him in the resurrection promise. You have to read these four books, study them, make them a part of your language and your thinking and your acting. The very reality of Jesus is grace in action in human ways and ways that we are called to live as Christians. Let's begin with a word of prayer before we turn to the Gospel of Matthew. Word of God, in beginning you breathed creation into being. In humanity you spoke how to live. In dying your words offered forgiveness for our sinful failures. In resurrection speak. Word of God once more to us of life in you and equipped by your Holy Spirit. And may our ears hear, our minds understand, and our lives changed. Our reading begins with Matthew 28, verses 16 through 20. Now the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything that I have commanded you. And remember, I am with you always to the end of the age. This word from the Gospel of Matthew, known as the Great Commission, it sets a pattern for us about how we are to go. For what our lives, the lives of disciples across the centuries, will look like. If you can picture Jesus in action, you might see this middle-aged, this Middle Eastern carpenter who turned into a rabbi for many. And what that looked like was healing and teaching. It looked like forgiving and feeding or giving water. It looked like welcoming. It looked like loving the enemy and being with people of despised lineage. Jesus did and taught many things that we refer to as acts of mercy. 
And here we'll observe is God's grace in action. As we've studied God's unfailing grace in the Christian story and in the Methodist story for a few weeks now here at Bethany, if you're just joining us this spring, you can go to our Facebook page or through our website's worship page to look back and, and visit those old sermons on God's unfailing grace that we've already covered. Grace in action as revealed in Jesus' life wasn't just about acts of mercy. It also included rejecting economic corruption in the worshiping community. Many of us really enjoy that shocking turn of events where Jesus was visiting the temple and he flipped over the money changer's table, literally overturning this great tradition in the faith that the people followed. In God's grace, he called out bad leadership in his community, both faith leaders and secular leaders. He even spoke of the temple itself, this most sacred place for his Jewish family, for the Jewish people, this temple being torn down, just a building, temporary and replaceable. And those closest to him were even chastised by Jesus, whom they held most dear, as they struggled to gain a bigger picture, to see the world from God's perspective and to view it in a kingdom of heaven way, rather than in their own limited, selfish, worldly ways. I'm thinking of those harsh words that Jesus spoke to Peter, get behind me, Satan, when Peter was less about God's will for Jesus' life and more about wanting things to go his own way. And Jesus called him out on that in grace. On occasion, grace in action was a call to action for other people. Like the time when the disciples wanted to demand that Jesus turn away people who were in need and Jesus would have nothing to do with it. Jesus demanded that they feed the people. He would not reject those who came to him in need. Jesus expected his followers to teach, to heal, to cast out demons, to restore life to the dead and dying. As God made flesh in Jesus, grace was unfailing and abundant. And it was sometimes tough love and tougher calls to ministry. This great commission that Jesus lays out for us begins a centuries-old pattern of life and faith. And if you're at home, you can pull up this Matthew 28 passage. It's 16 through 20 on your phone, or you can open up your Bible to follow along and see if you can find this pattern that we learn about there. Meet, receive, go, and share. We encounter the risen Lord when we meet together as a church body. We worship Him, sometimes well and giving God glory, Sometimes doubtfully, when we flounder in our faith, at our best in that meeting, we open ourselves to receive all that Christ wants to give into our lives. Through his words in the Gospels or the whole word that is Christ in Scripture, we receive Christ in the spiritual gifts given to us. And as we go out, sometimes against our will, sometimes zealously, enthusiastically, we go in this manner of going, the Greek, it actually says go in our translation, but it actually means as you go. However it is we are being about the business of life, whether that is being on a special mission trip specifically or just going about uh, on a trip to the grocery store, if you're really brave, going out to eat now to a restaurant, however it is as you go, even if that's going on social media, which might be the most difficult and most challenging we are to engage in our life with others in sharing Christ and giving all that Christ has given to us to offer to the world. 
We're to abide by his commandments so that not only when we're intentionally teaching about Jesus, but also in our behavior, always modeling and revealing the life of discipleship as an invitation to others to join us in such a life. And I don't always do that well, but I am fortunate enough to have people who love me and will call me out on that sometimes. I found that it helps to ask yourself the question before you act, is this thing that I'm about to do or say sharing Christ? If the answer is no, be still. Return to meeting and receiving Christ and then try again to go and share. That's the path laid out for us in this Matthew 28 passage, the one that we see over and over again as we look at history of the followers of the way. That is Christ's way in the world. This way began and grew a worldwide church out of it. Just a couple of weeks ago, we celebrated the birth of the church at Pentecost and its tongues of fire story. And I don't know if celebrate is the right word. This time this year heralded a particularly painful season. And I, with many of you, grieved that day. I spent the day allowing myself to mourn in a week when our nation's systemic racism was shown at its ugliest on video with a murder and then followed by many acts of violence and destruction throughout our whole country and seen around the world. I allowed myself to grieve and grief and anger while places and neighborhoods were literally on fire. I devoted Pentecost to acknowledge the pain of division to lament the sense of otherness and strangeness, to admit the seemingly impossible task that Jesus has given us to love our neighbors. But I love the Holy Spirit. And that's exactly why I celebrate Pentecost and the divine truth about what can be accomplished when we receive the Holy Spirit into our lives and live as the people received it that first time. Imagine this gathering, this is the story from Acts, of a people from different lands, an international meeting, different races and cultures and languages, a setting that is perfect, perfect for misunderstanding and suspicion, for self-segregation and enmity. Pastor Tom and, and the story in Acts reminds us that witnesses thought that the people were drunk. And that's a perfectly logical conclusion because the people were united which by any worldly standards is not normal behavior. But they were hearing the same message. And they were speaking the same message, that God is great. They were declaring the wonders of God in all their tongues. The things of the world, what country you're from or what country you're in, what your clothing or your skin or your hair look like, the cadence of your speech, your mannerisms or rituals, None of it mattered at that Pentecost. God overcame all the ways in which people had come to separate themselves for a moment and captured for all time. We have this glimpse of a post-Eden world of the harmony, of the original blessing that God created when he made us and called us good. Scripture tells us later on in the New Testament that all of the world's really divisions will fall away and there will no longer be these distinctions that we have. There will not be Jew or Greek, slave or free, male or female. All will be one in Christ Jesus if we belong to Christ. 
In the world, we define ourselves by our differences, not by the Holy Spirit poured out in us, not by Christ uniting us in one body, but here in the Pentecost, these differences, rather than a tension or conflict, they were a celebration of the amazing work of God and what God's grace in action can accomplish in the world. All these varied people set aside themselves. They set aside their fear and distrust of each other. And they came together to meet Christ. Christ who sent the advocate, the Holy Spirit, to keep that promise from the gospel of Matthew that he would be with us always to the end of the age. With the Holy Spirit poured out on them, the people went out to preach, to teach. They prayed. They did miracles and wonders of their own to share Christ in the world the book of Acts counts new believers being added to the number of people being saved, people joining in fellowship and in discipleship. God's grace in action was multiplied beyond any complete accounting as followers of the ways healed in their community, as they gave of their possessions to those in need, as they served and taught about salvation through Jesus Christ. And so the group of followers grew every day and spread through the world. God's grace in action. And at the time, the Roman kingdom was a huge chunk of the world for the disciples. And the growth of Christianity challenged the way that Romans thought about religion from the idea of having many gods to the one true God. That prolific writer and apostle Paul had his work cut out for him in teaching the world a different way of thinking. He had his own experience of meeting Christ of receiving Christ into his heart and in his mind and then being sent out to share the gospel with all that he did in the world. In Paul's letter to the Romans, he writes out a theological discussion of the Christ for the first 11 chapters. And then in Romans 12, he really starts getting into the practical application of all of those beliefs. And we're doing the same thing after weeks of theological study about grace. The pattern of Christian living from Jesus that begins with meeting him and receiving his gifts doesn't stop there. Jesus Christ is to be Lord and Savior of every area of our lives, including and especially when we go out from our time of worship together and put what we have studied and learned into practice. And we'll see what that looks like from the Romans 12 perspective that Jessica introduced us to already. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers and sisters, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. We are to offer our very selves, our bodies, our compassion, mercy, as spiritual acts of worship, a practical divinity where we live out our faith, where our beliefs are put into the things that we do. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your minds so that you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. Paul teaches that God is doing this thing in us. God's will is being done, and it is up to us to be a part of God's work, to resist how the world is trying to change us. We're not being made new here exactly. We're being renewed to what we've already been created to be, children of God abiding by his will, aligned with him to be a part of God's great work in the world and not what the world is doing to us in it. 
For by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, not to think of yourself more highly than you ought to think, but to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. To be wise-minded, it's God who's doing this work. We can just participate in it. So we're not to get too full of ourselves as we go about his work. For as in one body, we have many members, and not all the members have the same function, so we who are many are one body in Christ, and individually we are members one of another. We have gifts that differ according to the grace given to us. This passage calls out our unity in diversity. We need all the different special gifts of grace people have to be complete as one together in the body of Christ. We are not whole if we are not one in Christ. These different gifts included prophecy in proportion to faith, ministry and ministering, the teacher in teaching, the exhorter in exhortation, the giver in generosity, the leader in diligence, the compassionate in cheerfulness. This final word here, as we put God's grace into action with acts of mercy, it instructs us that serving the needy is not supposed to be a chore, but a delight. This is not a burden. This is the word of the Lord, and for that we give thanks. It's not for us as we come to the end of a passage then to close the Bible and carry on. We've come to meet with Christ and receive the wisdom and instruction of his word and centuries later, this can feel like ancient history, a lesson that's detached from life in the world today, especially as we come to the part of the Christian life that says, now go and share. We've been forced to go out already in a manner of speaking. In pandemic life, many people feel like they've been kicked out of the church. And, and I'd ask for a show of hands. I guess you can do that in a Facebook comment if you want, if you feel like you've been kicked out of the church. But then I'd ask our Bethany Facebook host to tell you that you're in church right now as we worship together. But I am going to tell you a story about a Christian who was kicked out of the church, really. And he was a pastor. Our own John Wesley, the man whose work started this religious movement that grew into a global church around the world. Wesley grew up as a Christian reading scripture, applying it as best as he could, learning about Jesus, but maybe, maybe he hadn't fully received the truth of Christ in his heart before he actually began his work as a preacher and missionary. He traveled from England to America to evangelize the native peoples who were there. And I think it's a good indication to us who study him that he hadn't received Christ yet because that effort failed Wesley did preach to the European settlers, but he did not evangelize the residents of the land already there. It was a couple years after that first missionary effort started when he did receive Christ into his strangely warmed heart while he was also preparing to study the letter to the Romans. And in that receiving, Wesley was changed a little too much for the church authorities' taste. He was barred from preaching not long after this event happened because he was teaching that salvation was from faith alone and not by our good works. But Wesley being forced from the church pulpit led him to sharing Christ more than he ever could have accomplished if he had stayed inside the church building. 
He was sent out, but he kept on preaching. He preached in open fields. He preached in town squares. And there's a great legendary story that he even preached on top of his father's grave. And Wesley didn't stop with preaching when he shared Christ. That wasn't enough. He took very seriously that call to put God's grace into action. Wesley created new, chap, uh, new chapels. He appointed lay preachers to go out. He felt the importance for everyone to learn how to read and write. Wesley even worked on social issues like alcohol abuse and slavery. He especially reached out to care for the poor and the downtrodden. He advocated for human rights, for prison reform, labor justice, and the humane treatment of animals. Wesley even set out to address our medical care issues with his own easy and natural method of curing most diseases. Now, people who are listening to the sermon, I think he was overstepping a little bit here. Heed your doctor, not your pastor, for your extensive medical care. Wesley was not thwarted by boundaries. He lived by the principle that all the world was his parish, and ultimately he even ordained two pastors to America, though he was not authorized to do that. And the blossoming of the Methodist church happened. When he died, Wesley had 294 preachers, 71,668 British members, 19 missionaries, and 43,265 American members with 198 preachers. Today, Methodists number about 30 million worldwide, or depending on the source you find, 40 to 80 million. What in the world, or our particular microcosm of it, are we doing to share our faith since we've had to go, since we've been kicked out of church? How are we bearing the unfailing grace of God in our lives beyond the walls that are around me right now? What will your legacy of sharing Christ be now that you have gone out? A Wesleyan understanding of grace is one that does not limit our concern only to the teaching of the salvation of souls, but it's a call to action for the full transformation of the world's cultures, doing what John Wesley did, what Jesus did, and addressing social issues such as justice and poverty. John Wesley's legacy of teaching and ministry led us to establish a social creed to continue to carry on this kind of work in 1908, specifically to denounce child labor and sweatshop working conditions. That creed has expanded over the decades into our social principles to follow, outlining our theological understanding from Scripture and our ministerial calls to address our contemporary social issues that we face today. Grace in action includes work for the care of creation, racial and gender equality, economic injustice, political responsibility. You can find many ways that the followers of Christ in the UMC tradition live out of God's call in their lives by checking out this link and connecting these calls to action to what you have learned of and have been receiving from Jesus to share through your life. Pastor Jessica and Anna already gave us great ideas about grace in action, about how to show the love for God on the outside as you live life. Practicing faith by setting up food pantries to address hunger issues. Wearing masks for the health and well-being of others. 
peacefully protesting against racism and police brutality, sponsoring children and families in developing nations, and offering messages of love and hope through your words and actions when the world is so full of hate and anger. We may feel challenged to share Christ's love out in the world in a time of pandemic, but God's grace and action will not be thwarted by a virus, and so we too must carry on. We're still feeding the hungry. We're helping people access medical care. We're doing front yard care visits. Find your call to share God's grace in action through your life. You can start at Bethany's website at this link. There is ministry to be done right away. There is ministry to prepare for. But look for opportunities for you to serve as well. The call to bear grace into the world, it feels especially loud in these needful times. We may feel even more challenged to share Christ's love out in the world in a time of civil unrest that we are in. Brothers and sisters, if you're feeling overwhelmed, be with us. Be with us in seeking God and seeking understanding in racial relations. Visit our Stay Connected page. You'll see that link at the end of the service. You saw it at the beginning of the service. You can learn how to join the conversation with author and youth leadership conference founder Darius Petway and our own Kevin Gorley, that conversation that will be on June 20th. There is grace in listening and education. There is grace in protesting racism by word and march and boycott. There is grace in stopping a friend or colleague who speaks or posts words of hate or who lash out in anger in destructive ways. God's unfailing grace, that grace in action, is not merely an interesting study that we're doing. It's not a series of lessons on Methodist theology. It is God acting in the world, stirring us up to act in response as well, to bear Christ in the world as faithful followers of Jesus, as doers of his word and his way. It's often not easy. It often goes against our worldly inclinations. But remember Jesus' parting word for us after the lesson we received in the Gospel of Matthew. We're taught to meet him, to receive his gifts. We're taught of his commission for us to go and share obediently everything that we ourselves have learned so that others may too receive that invitation. But his message ended there that he would be with us always. To the end of the age, let us pray. Holy God, help us to see ourselves in our own need and understand that that is our need for you. Guide us, Lord, so that our feet may take us to meet with you, to spend time with you in your word and in prayer. Help us in our hearts and our minds, God, to be open to your word that pours into us and the call that you place on our lives. We pray, Lord, for your courage to go out in faith and for your strength to share your love, your mercy, your forgiveness and healing, to share your grace in action in all of your ways through the ways you will send us. We pray this in your holy name. Amen.